is a changing landscape in philanthropy and fundraising affecting our community-based foundations, including community foundations themselves. What do fundraisers need to know? That's our topic today on this first day from the Fundraising School. I'm Bill Stanjakevich. My guest today is my colleague, Dr. Lori Parlberg. Lori is the Charles Stewart Mott Chair on Community Foundations at the Indiana University Lilly Family School of Philanthropy. And Lori has extensive research on community philanthropy, including community foundations. And Lori, so much is happening with what we, we hear about donor advised funds and what's happening with tax policy and all these things happening with the economy. What's the latest in the community foundation world? Oh, Bill, that's a really great question. It's an exciting time for community foundations. The yeah. world is changing really quickly for them. I think that if we were to go through a list, instead of listing them sequentially, we'd visualize it as some interconnecting Venn diagrams. Okay. So, you know, one is the changing nature of community. Community is changing, but mm. uh, where people think of as home is changing, it's no longer stable. But yet, community foundations are being increasingly asked to fill really important public policy roles, right? So you have this paradox between what's community and yet asking community foundation to be leaders in their communities and encouraging donors to think about being donors and philanthropic in a changing environment. And why that's really important when we think about the changing world of donor advised funds mm -hmm. is donors no longer have a limit or a bounds placed on where they can be donors. Mm -hmm. And uh, donor advised funds, which are can be national, they can be commercial. So what's happening with community foundations is they're trying to figure out what's the space in a changing community. Yeah. And oh, yeah, go, did you have a question? Well, I was gonna ask, I was gonna go back to that first item because yeah. you used the word community a few different times here. Um, you know, back in the day, the next generation maybe moved a mile from their parents, and the next generation moved another mile from their parents. Now we're moving all over the place. We're a very transient community. Our millennials especially, sometimes they move to a city before they have a job because they just want to live in that city. Can you say more about what that means for community foundations in terms of as people move from their home communities or maybe want their dollars directed outside of their home communities. What are you seeing in that regard? Oh, a lot of things, right? So the one thing is that people no longer necessarily think of place as a community. It may be identity-based because they've moved so many times. It also means that they, because of technology, their community of giving can be anywhere. It's no mm. longer geographically bounded. And if we think about the transfer of wealth, which we've been talking about, that's no longer place-based. My heirs are no longer living, as you say, a mile down the road. Mm -hmm. So community foundations really need to be working with their communities to establish a sense of place and articulate why place is important. Now, Lori, uh, our fundraising audience think of community foundations as grant makers but community foundations are also fundraisers as they're looking at these folks to set up funds or provide unrestricted gifts. What is this meant for the fundraising of community foundations? Oh, okay, that's a really fun question, right? So if I were to have a crystal ball, which I don't, but if I were to, <laughs> I would suggest that for fundraisers, this really means looking past asset building mm -hmm. in the traditional financial sense to philanthropic asset building. How do we engage our community residents in thinking about place and what their vision of place is and how they're going to contribute to that. And so I think we're talking a lot more about empowerment of donors, mm. uh, how we encourage donors to embrace multiple values of what a good community is, and then how the community foundation facilitates engagement of all sorts. And so I think we're changing the role of strictly dollar fundraising to 
asset building. And what, what do you mean by asset building? Oh, all the different assets. It could be dollars. It could be advocacy and voice. It could be volunteering. All the ways that we show ourselves to be a caring community. And when the Community Foundation calls a meeting, everybody shows up. They still have that very, when you talk about them being active out in the community on, on public issues, maybe addressing some hot topic public policy issues. Again, if the Community Foundation um, calls that meeting, folks are likely to attend. Is, are you seeing that growing in terms of the role that community foundations are playing? I do, but I also think that it's shifting. So leadership is taking on a different meeting rather than just calling a meeting, it's facilitating a meeting mm. and not being the dominant voice, but being one voice of many. Mm. Can you please say more then about donor advised funds? We've talked about that sure. so much at the fundraising school and at the IU Lilly Family School Philanthropy. When we look at the Philanthropy 400, the number one overall charity is a donor advised fund managed in the private wealth sector. And you know, I think if you look at the top 15 in the Philanthropy 400, four or five of them are these private wealth managers who are also hosting donor advised funds. Is this an existential moment for community foundations? Oh, um, it's a moment. And, but it's not going to end, right? So it is the way it is. We're not going to see them disappear. So uh, what it means is it means, first of all, that donors have the ability to go elsewhere, which they're doing. Um, but it also means that it's challenging the financial model of community foundations where they used to rely on some of the fees from managing those donor advised funds. Uh, community foundations can't get to the low rates of commercial funds. And so it's really challenging that fundraising model. So it's really pushing community foundations to think not only about how to mobilize their donors and energize them and create community with them, but also what their next revenue model is gonna be. And Lori, when you think about this issue of donor advised funds, certainly these larger corporations have huge advantages with technology. You know, they have exactly. armies of IT departments who can help them and, and maybe economists who can tack into the market as things are invested. But do community foundations still have a local advantage here? I mean, even with your earlier point about people moving and being transient, how much of that is still in play for the community foundation? And that is their advantage, okay. right? That is their advantage, not just knowing the community, but helping community members to articulate the value of the community and ways to create community. So what does this mean for fundraisers then? You know, we, we hear about the uh, you know, changing definition of community. We see community foundations certainly raising dollars, but also using other assets and unique strengths that they have. There's this whole uh, emerging and emerged issue of donor advised funds. What does an everyday fundraiser need to know is they have that local community foundation? Boy, fundraisers have always been jack of all trades, right? Yeah. And so I see that they're gonna have to continue to build some of those community engagement skills. Uh, communication skills, facilitation skills, leadership skills, and um, general energizing skills for their community. Lori, when we fundraise from community foundations, um, how should we see them as part of our over overall fundraising plan? Um, you know, are most of the dollars in these restricted donor advised funds? Do the community foundations have a larger share of unrestricted funds? As I'm putting my fundraising plan together, where do community foundations fit in ideally? The answer you don't want to hear is it depends on the community. Hmm. The model varies from community to community. So if I were a local nonprofit organization, I'd get to know how my community foundation works where their resources are and what they have to distribute and perhaps how I can partner with them on building philanthropy in my community. And, and there also is a difference when we think about the donor advised funds and we have, we have good colleagues who are in these private wealth management firms like Schwab and Vanguard and Fidelity and others, uh, but oftentimes they don't have that program officer at that private wealth management firm. 
what I'm hearing you say is it's incumbent upon the fundraiser to build that relationship. Do community foundations still have those staff members we can meet with? Um, yeah, some of them do, but mm -hmm. also we're seeing more community foundations put resources into community impact and community engagement. So what resources are coming from the Mott Chair on community foundations that fundraisers can take advantage of? Oh, so one of the, one of the um, goals of the Mott Foundation was to be able to do a better job of connecting the research that's occurring mm -hmm. in the academic field with practice. So one of the things that we're trying to do is pull together scholars across the country who are doing research on issues that are important to community foundations and finding some ways to translate those and bring them out to fundraisers. In the future, we're going to see a course on community foundations and some more convenient convening and presence at some of the national and regional conferences. And as her schedule allows, we're going to want Lori to be spending as much time with the fundraising school as possible, uh, helping us with our coursework, uh, with our leadership roundtable event, and we're certainly so fortunate to have her with us on this podcast. All the research from the Lilly Family School Philanthropy, including the Charles Stewart Mott Chair on Community Foundations, is available on our website at philanthropy.iupui.edu. There's a research tab. You'll also find information about uh, Lori's work there. And if you then add a forward slash the fundraising school, you'll learn about the fundraising school's 15 public courses in 15 U.S. cities. You know, we're within about a five-hour drive of everybody in the continental United States. We want to make that as accessible for you as possible. We can bring our custom training to your nonprofit, uh, to your region, to your location. You know, we actually have community foundations who will bring us in to train multiple nonprofits in their county, in their local area. We have quarterly webinars, of course, these podcasts. And as you watch or listen to the podcast, hit that like button for us. That helps move us up uh, on that podcast menu and gets this information out to more people. I'm Bill Stanjukavich, and now you are now more up to date on this first day from the Fundraising School. Mm -hmm.